Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are grateful for your word and we're grateful for our time in it. We'd ask that you would make us a body of people who sit before your teaching and your holy apostles and your prophets, your son, who's laid things before us that we might live in such a way to please you. Make us good students. In your son's name, amen. Well, we're in, um, we're in Matthew 13, and we're also being Luke 13. This, this, I was like sometimes to tell you how things came to pass. Um, last week I, I spoke out of a portion of the, on the parable of the sower, uh, kind of a different angle on it. Um, and uh, in the Luke passage, it gave the phrase about the good soil that it would bring forth fruit with patience. Went by, you know, it's a, a charming phrase, bring forth fruit with patience. Didn't know it would bother anybody. You know, you, you figure people would get offended at better things than that. Well, John Hill wasn't offended by it, but it just was nagged at him all week. He couldn't get the phrase, bring forth fruit with patience. What in the world was the patience for? And the bringing forth fruit. So he and his wife came by the other night and laid that out for me. I think it was Thursday night? Yeah, it was American Idol night. I know this because my wife leaves me. Goes over to Allie Geyer's to watch it. So I was alone, waiting for someone to stop by and ask me a question, and they did. So we talked about a good conversation, and I, a, a certain verse sprang to my mind, right into the discussion, where you know, something to do with a, a farmer doing something, waiting for the crop. And I, got, I couldn't remember where it was, and I got out the strongest concordance, and I couldn't remember the words in the King James, so it was a King James concordance, and what am I going to do here? And, and so I got my Bible, and I flipped it open, and the, and the, book, the Bible marker was in Mark, and it opened to Mark, and there was the passage. Right after the passage I preached on of last week, which is sort of humiliating. You know, you should know the immediate context. Or... So I was looking at that Mark passage. Here it is on the right-hand side, right after the parable of the sower. On the right, left-hand side, excuse me. Mark 4, 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed upon the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He knows not how. The earth produces of itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. That's the only place in the scriptures that little remark exists. It's in Mark and that was the passage I was thinking of, because I was trying to answer this question of bring forth fruit with patience. You got agriculture staring at you all over this disease portion of scripture. And you know that agriculture makes a great image for a lot of different things. And you know that sometimes the Lord turns on a dime and applies it in an entirely different way. In the parable of the sower, you're being described as the dirt, appropriately. 
But what we're dealing with here, when we ask, bring forth fruit with patience, the question comes to us, if I am the good soil, if I am good dirt, what is it I'm growing again? The seed was the word of God. I'm not growing more scriptures. Many people think that growth is always church growth. At least the church growth in history, maybe not your immediate church, but at least your immediate theological group, because we're the best. If not our immediate theological group, us Protestants, if we're not the immediate Protestants, all of Christendom, the Mother Kirk. That's what we naturally go to. But it's an assumption. What are we growing? Because it, it, it seems that in the soil, the production of fruit, if you're one of these agents, are you being seed that fell on path, thorny ground, rocky ground, good soil? Because fruit was produced by good soil. And Jesus is very intentionally obtuse. He wants to talk to you in parables so that you will be confused. And because in your confusion, you either shake your fist at heaven and go, I don't want to bother with this anymore. It's too hard to understand. Or you say, I would like to know. It's a nice little uh, a device. How do you separate the sheep from the goats? Do you have a question? about it at all. Now, this passage about waiting for the fruit, which brings us to ask ourselves what it is we're growing, was right after the parable of the sower, right before the parable of the mustard seed in Mark. So as, you know, to keep the same error from happening to me again as happened this week, I started to jump around looking at the synoptics to find out, okay, how does this section of scripture read out the mustard seed thing? Because that's what sprang to me this morning as I was doing sermon prep, the mustard seed parable about the nature of small seed, big growth. But I knew the question of what is it I'm growing matters when I say little seed, big growth. What, what's the big thing I want to have? A big institution? A big, a separate Sunday school wing. <coughs> We've almost got the smoking shed finished. <laughs> what a church. It's going to be called tentatively St. John's on the Alley. <laughs> For those of you from out of town, the bar that always comes up in sermon illustrations is John's Alley, which is a block away. And so we're trying to open the smoking shed to be an opportunity to evangelize the smokers who get kicked out because of the liberal hippies in this town, can't smoke in a dang bar, they have to stand on the street down there in the cold of winter, and we're a half a block away, and if some of our young men will open our smoking shed, St. John's on the alley, they can come up here and get some Christian literature and have a warm place to smoke. It's the ministry. Tell your friends. <laughs> So no, we're not building a Sunday school wing, but we are building a smoking shed. For the kingdom. So the question, you don't just assume, don't talk to them. Pastors have plans, okay? We're power mad. 
we want to see our name in lights, we want to see a big picture of me on the back of some book. You want to be on a talk show, not a Christian talk show, where you get to sit there like this and answer a question. We're up to something. We've got a plan. We're idealists. We have visions. We, um, but don't trust us about what the mustard seed grows into. It gets big, yeah. That's the image. You're supposed to say, okay, little seed, kingdom of God, big thing comes out the other side. What is it? A big child? A big family? A big church? A big ministry? Matthew 13, here on the top of the right-hand side, another parable he put before them, saying... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who so sowed a good seed. Oh my gosh. Is it the same thing? No. Who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then has it weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I'll tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, very like, like the sower, but it's not the same parable as the sower. It's another agricultural moment. And then he says, another parable he put before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All this Jesus told, said to the crowd in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. That is Psalm 78.2, where it's translated in your Bible probably uh, dark things. I will utter dark things. Hidden things. Dark in that sense. Not dark things like death metal, but dark things like... Uh, it's hard to ascertain what it is. And so what do you got there? You got the kingdom of heaven like a field with weeds and wheat. And we have that here in the Palouse all the time. You drive around at harvest and you can see in the middle of these slopes of grain patches of some sort of noxious weed how hard it would be to tromp through that thick grain, get to the weed, uproot it, without destroying a lot of the weed. It's a good image, you know, it's, oh yeah, oh yeah. We don't, you know, you're looking out at the church and you go, I think there's some weeds here. But if I were to judge, make, make radical judgments to try to get all the weeds out, I might be tossing some Christians out on their ear. I gotta watch myself. 
But it's also like a grain of mustard seed, small, that becomes big. It's also like leaven in a loaf. I don't understand that. That just seems like magic. What, it's little dry granules of what? Bacteria? Is that what it is? What's, what's, ye what's yeast? Is, is it alive or is it dead? Is it a plant? It's a beast. A dry beast. It'll sit in your fridge, dried up, until you add something to it, and then it will make little babies all over your bread. <laughs> now, that is, that's a, that's a miracle, as far as I'm concerned. Women deal with it all the time. Men understand putting a seed in the ground and watch the tree. From little acorns, mighty oaks, right? From little mustard seeds, big mustard bush. Crackers, loaf of bread. But you've been handed these, you've been told that these are things that you're supposed to attend to because the Lord taught this way, always in parables, so that the dark things would be laid out in front of you and the darkness of it is a judgment on you. We learned that when he touches about the nature of parables in the sermon, the parable of the sower. Why does he do this? So that you won't find out. And if you want to know, you better look. So what is? I hopefully you're with me on this. You say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to look. I'm going to ask the question, what is the thing that is growing? Might be different things in each parable. What is, the, what is getting big in the kingdom of God? What is enlarging? What is the fruit that patience will bear out with? Now the thought that it is the size of the kingdom, size of the church, uh, you know, Christians are all over the world, and now with the interwebs, we can find out. Is, 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 that, is it Sudanese woman that has been sentenced to death for marrying a Christian, becoming a Christian? You see it in China, you see it in, the, in Africa, you see it, your, your, your knowledge of the church at large, rock and roll musicians who try to murder their wives, then come back to the Lord after being sentenced to eight years in the penitentiary. We know about all these things. And sometimes, because we're one of the leading world religions, you know, there's Islam, and then there's Hinduism, and then there's us. And we're kind of conscious, right, of that power of being, you know, like the Pepsi or Coke of, of religion. And if there are more of us, somehow it makes Jesus more true, if there's more of us. And new churches are starting all the time, and now, some people who like to see the growth of the church just really want to see people get saved. <laughs> it's not a matter of want to see the church get bigger. They want to see people get saved. It's a good motivation. But it's natural for us to finally do our ultimate measure on actual populations in ratio. I mean, what's per capita Christian? What did they say? That the, China might be the most Christian the most number of Christians in the world in a country. Now, of course, they've got a billion people to start with. So, you know, it's not like they're ahead, you know, in, in percentages. But uh, they might have more Christians in China in a few years than anywhere else in the world. Is that how you think the kingdom of God is to be thought of? That that is the fruit, another notch in the binding of my Bible, to have a witness to somebody and led them to Christ? 
don't know that that's what you do. That's what we do. And it seems, you know, with this parable of the field, of the weeds, it's called the wheat and the tares in uh, King James. Wheat, wheat and weeds. Verse 36, then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Okay, that's the power of parables. That those who are after the kingdom want to grow. And if they want to grow, if they're good soil, they will ask a question when something confuses them. Oh, so many. I was talking, my wife and I were, ran into somebody who had walked away from the faith in the grocery store the other day. And uh, they were talking like it was all so brave. Yeah, as soon as I had... As soon as I had a question, I landed on the question as if it were an answer. It's like, I don't understand what he's saying. So he's not understandable. Rather than saying, uh, we didn't understand, would you explain to us what you just said and why you said it? Having the question, having a doubt is a, a sort of fine, great to have doubts. Because, of course, you are the kind of person that asks questions when you have doubts. Or are you? Well, these guys are. Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered them, this is very direct. He's, it's like rapid fire. He who sows the seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Okay, it's not last parable. It was you were the dirt. And this time the field is just the world. And the good seed means the sons of the kingdom. Last parable, it was the word of God. The seed is the word of God and the soil are the people. So don't get your parables of agricultural mixed up. It's not, it's not part of a complete, they live in, what do they call it in the movies? Satan? Satan? <laughs> <laughs> this kind of world, a consistent world of, of Lord of the Rings, a universe, a narrative universe. These are different narrative universes. The field is the world. The good seed means the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. I always, I, it's the devil. Whenever you say the devil, you have to allow for everybody's cultural enjoyments of Satan. Beelzebub, Lucifer, the devil. It's like saying sex in church because Christians love the devil more than they love Jesus because he's like, you know, what you went to, you know, the Avengers and who did you girls come away liking? Loki. Because the really studly big blonde guy, God, with a hammer, wasn't good enough for you. You had to get this schmarmy, deceiving piece of work you fall in love with Loki. Christians do that with the devil. Well, there's the devil in the parable. He's the one who sowed the, the sons of... He wants to have, in the field of the world, 
people who are growing up in the midst of wheat, who aren't wheat. And the harvest is the close of the age, whenever that is. And the reapers are angels. Well, that's kind of fun, too, because you like angels, right? Everyone does. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and throw them into the furnace of fire, where men will weep and gnash their teeth. Oh, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It is natural for you to think that the mustard seed and the leaven is being expressed in this that sort of gave encouragement to the notion that the size of the church, the institution, is just fine for it to go really, really big, because that's really what the growth is. And yes, you're going to have some bad eggs in there. And you've seen that bad egg, bad leaders, bad people, bad periods of time. I sometimes look at the history of the church and uh, it's sort of like the history of socialism. And you go, yeah, why, do I, why are there still hippies? Besides the weed. Uh, who still want to establish. It was just that the Russians didn't really have enough time to figure out how to do it. They always want to try socialism again. Now I'm not doing this to bang on Sebastian socialism because it just has its own problems. But the church, when you start to think that the kingdom of God, that the, 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 the seed of the word of God or the seed of you bearing fruit is best described by the history of 2,000 years of the institution of the church, you need your head examined. What an awful, awful time. Oh yeah, there are wonderful Christians down through the ages. Wonderful. You can go find some saints. All different stripes of theology you can find saints. But it's not like it's a field full of wheat with just a few weeds. It's mostly weeds. It's like one of those fields that doesn't get farmed at all one year and there's some old wheat that comes up you know here and there and it's all thistles what the end of the age is you know it's up to you in your eschatology it could be the end of Judaism it could be the end of the world it could be whatever the age is but that's up to you to figure out but I want you to think first off is it is it right for me to be thinking that the fruit is the field. The kingdom of God is the field. But he says, no, the kingdom of God isn't the field. The world is the field. And he said that, verse 38. The field is the world. We're going to be growing up in the world. The wheat is going to be bearing fruit of wheat. It almost sounded like a morning breakfast cereal. That's cream of wheat. The fruit of wheat it's going to be more wheat. It's not going to be weeds. It's never going to be weeds. 
It's just that standing next to the wheat, the devil sows weed seed. Not wheat seed, but weeds. Now this growth seems to be back in the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven. It's an insistent thing. Back when the first passage I read on the right left hand side, he knows not how. He plants the seed in the ground. He waters it. He rises day and night. He doesn't know how it's happening. You've been planted with the kingdom of God, if you're part of the kingdom of God, if you're one of the sons of, of the kingdom. If you're a good soil and you had good seed of word of God put in you, it's going to produce a fruit. Now the question we have this morning before us is what's the fruit that's supposed to be big? For which we wait with patience. For which we don't necessarily know how it will grow. But we come back to it and find it grown. Is it the size of a ministry? Is it the size of a movement? Is it the size of the Christian church down through 2,000 years? Luke 13, 18. And he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Now, why did I, I just went through that again because I picked up the synoptic handling of the mustard seed out of Luke <laughs> and the next passage. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Well, it seems like that. So back before, I was thinking in, uh, in Matthew on the mustard seed, and it was giving me this field, and I had this picture of a lot of wheat, and there are some bad apples in there, some weeds, that at the end of the age, God will, you know, settle out with. That's how we kind of view, yeah, it's all going to be the church. It's all going to be the institution. It's all going to be, what's, is that right? Because if I think that the institution of the church, and here I am, a minister in the church, I'm a pretty, well, you wouldn't know you would accuse me of being really orthodox, but I'm, I'm pretty conservative. Uh, we sing hymns, for heaven's sake. Um, you'd think I, I, I'd want to be, you know, not fouling my own nest. But it might not be the church. The church might be where be a lot of it happens, but it might not be the church. Because when he's asked the question, Lord, will those be who will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter by the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Hmm. Hmm. Well, what's growing so big? Narrow door. Does that sound familiar to you? Oh, maybe it's Matthew 7. End of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Strive to enter by the narrow gate. And you're not even going to be let in if you look at it. Even if you went and got, even if you just came to the front door of the church and said, Pastor, how do you join this thing? The kingdom of God goes, nope. The kingdom and the master of the kingdom, the householder says, I'm not listening to you. I'm not letting you in. Because the point is not growing the population of the church. Again, that's like I said, I don't want to foul my own nest, but frankly, the point is not increasing the population number of the church. Now, it's not saying we don't love people or want them to be saved. God desires all men to be saved. But the point is not to have more people in it. The point is, because, but the, but the, but the notion that the, the big fruit is synonymous with more people is the problem that has beset the church in many different ways over many, many centuries. Whether you grabbed a bunch of Aryan Eastern Europeans and baptized them into the Holy Roman Church so that they'd be good Athanasians, good Trinitarians, whatever you were doing, whatever you were, uh, some emotionally manipulative sermon that would get somebody in Arkansas to walk the sawdust trail to the sounds of an accordion playing just as I am one more time. We really think that this thing, it's got to grow, it's got to grow in population. The Lord's going, no, 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 no. No, it could be many or few. Uh, few. Because his growth, his fruit, his seed, which grows to fill, grows to be big, like a loaf, like a tree. That's not the image he wanted you to have. If we just got more people. That answers a lot of your own sociological issues, you know, in your head. Your own sociological issues, you feel better about believing it's easier to have faith in something that all your friends have faith in. Well, it's not much faith, you know, if it's only the group think. What if everybody in your group turned against Jesus? Would you still believe? Well, did you ever believe? But we look for that. We look for that in all things. We look for that joining quality, that look for that help in guiding our lives by a social group that we feel we have the ability to belong to. I don't know if it bothers you you can't join this church, but I have my reasons. Once, when once the householder has risen up and shut the door, you will begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, and he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. It's almost the opposite of singing just as I am one more time. I don't know, I would raise a Southern Baptist. Altar call every, every message. And sometimes, especially Sunday evenings, which was generally considered a more evangelistic time, it could go on forever. 
and you've already been to training union, and now you're sitting in the service, and the pastor is looking for one more hand to be raised, or one more person to walk the aisle, and so you're going to sing that emotionally wrenching song, which I like as a song. I like it when Billy Graham has it done, you know. This, Jesus has a different view about altar calls. No, I'm not opening the dang door. But we really want to come in. No, I'm not opening the door. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. We really want to come in. We want to join your church. No, door shut. Well, you can open it. No, I'm not going to open it. Jesus, doesn't Jesus understand the nature of growth? Doesn't he understand the nature of a mustard seed? Doesn't he understand the nature of leaven? It's growing to fill the whole earth. The whole earth is standing out in the street, outside of all souls Christian, banging on the door, and 15 of us, the faithful, 15 of us inside saying, well, don't you think we ought to consider church growth as a possibility? No. Now we're not, it could be this whole sour grapes thing about, you know, this small church and and you say, well, it's probably going to stay a small church with your views. Um, I could be suspect in that. But you have to ask yourself whether or not this is what the Lord is saying. He said, hold it. You might want to strive to enter by the narrow door, which few find. Most people just go by the big door, which lets them in easily, and it's the door to destruction. It's hard to find. It's hard to get at. And even when you get there at the narrow door, the householder, if he looks at you and says, you know, you're not part of the kingdom, I'm not letting you in. What does he, what does he say? He will say, verse 27, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Ah, we have a clue. We have a clue of what has to be growing in these people. The clue is what the, what, the, what the seed in the word of God in one parable, the seed of you in another, is planted not to produce a bigger group because God doesn't seem to be in the business of getting a big group. But he wants something to have grown big. And he doesn't let people in who are happy to make him a bigger group but are workers of iniquity. There you will weep and gnash your teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. You're going to be sorry then. It's not because they're trying to join late. They kind of join without understanding what the kingdom is. And men will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. The door is open. People all over. Some people are getting the stiff arm. They're asking to come in and not getting let in. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. What you have to understand is, in all of this, like with the kingdom in the parable of the field, None of those weeds were part of the kingdom. The only kingdom that existed was the wheat. 
the angels pulled up all the non-kingdom plants at the end. That just tells you when the sorting out happens. But the kingdom is always like a mustard seed. It's always like leaven. It will always grow, and it will always produce fruit. But the kingdom is not open to those who are not that seed. Whether you are reformed in your understanding and you want to use the word elect, you know, knock yourself out. But people who do not seek God, for whatever reason, they're not elect or they don't want to. They haven't sought him. They have lived lives of iniquity. They were not growing in the only word we've been given is iniquity and the other side of that is righteousness. They had not grown in righteousness. They had not grown in their seeking for the narrow door. If you do not have the right kind of growth getting big in your life, hiding out in the wrong kind of growth that is getting big is not going to help you in either of these images. Because at the end, whenever the end of the age is, the angels are going to come in and they're going to find the weeds and they're going to uproot them. And they're going to bundle them together and going to throw them into the fire. Because only the real kingdom weeds going into the granary. That kind of big didn't do anybody any good in terms of not being actually changed. Because even if you believe, even if, say, if you say, well, evidence is wrong to go to a big church. No. But you want to be looking at it for a church that's big, that's full of changed, wonderfully changed people who believe the gospel, the power of God is growing them in grace and righteousness. And there might be some weeds in there, but whatever the case, they're growing in righteousness because the only hope you have is that the seed of God, the word of God, or you being that kind of seed, is growing in this way. That you patiently see you being made into a more godly individual. That's the only real growth of the kingdom. Because we really want our faith sustained by external signs. The, what the Jews seek signs, the Greeks seek wisdom. We always want to we want to be able to point to the big group. Again, I have nothing if, if this were a big group, I'd be thrilled to death. Thrilled to death. And probably hard to live with. I don't have anything against it. Because the kingdom of God, if it's powerful, if a revival happens, great. But let's not mistake revival or growth for the kingdom. The kingdom can be happening in one person in a Central Asian city who has believed the gospel and the mustard seed could be growing to full size in that person. All alone. No fellowship. No history. No tradition. No famous Christians. Just that person. Because the kingdom of God is that way. It's the nature of the new covenant. That's what Jeremiah prophesied in Proverbs, Jeremiah 31. About no one will have to be told know the Lord. For they will all know me. I will write my law on their hearts. And then Jesus, a little later in Luke 17, says here at the bottom of the left-hand side, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Oh. 
don't you kind of think that they should? Or that we sort of depend on that kind of thing? The kingdom of God, they were looking for something, you know, that was really, really trendy. Everybody would believe it. Nor will they say, lo, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The word actually is within you. Now, not in some sort of liberal theology about taking away all the uh, uh, kind of a subjectivism or relative to you. It's not relative to you. It's God's kingdom built in you. The growth of the mustard seed is in you. The, the thing that he wants to be big at the end of your life is your righteousness. That you have been made more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians. That you be conformed to the image of his son. That's the fruit we're waiting for with patience. That's what you're supposed to be walking around becoming more Christ-like. In the end, we will see him as he is, and we shall be like him. That's the direction that God has taken all of this. He wanted to be the firstborn among many brethren. You're supposed to become something. And that's supposed to be natural to the Christian, natural to the kingdom, because it found the people who desired righteousness. There's a lot of people who desire to be in the most popular group, and if it happens to be a Christian evangelical group, so be it for them. But check in with them in 10 years. It wears off. They go somewhere else. Or it's like, I mentioned this on Facebook, because I don't remember mentioning it in the sermon last week. We designed the church to feature the stony ground and the thorny ground, as if excited people as if successful people were the center of what the kingdom of God is about. In actuality, they are the people who don't bear fruit. One gets choked off when persecution happens, and one gets choked off when success happens. Stop and consider these parables about agriculture and find out what is the kind of growth I'm supposed to be having. Am I waiting for the group I'm in to grow? Or do I have a growth that I'm supposed to be experiencing regardless, unilaterally, given to me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Your mercies are to us individually. Lord, help us have enough character to pick it up individually. Not wait for the success of this group or the success of another group to be our faith, be our life, to be our sense of you succeeding in the world, but that we would see in our souls your success in us. The fruit that you want born, a hundred, sixty, or thirty-fold, whatever good faith you have given us, works you have prepared for us to do beforehand, we'd ask that you would uh, touch us each individually. In your Son's name, amen.